0: Thank you so much, uh, worship team, for that ministry. Can we uh, just applaud the tech people, though, who are behind all the booths for the all this? You guys are awesome. You make you make you make it all happen. Thank you guys so much too. You get your applause tomorrow, though. So we'll do that. No, I'm just kidding. No, thank you for that. That was a big ministry. Um, am I on now? So I'm on. Okay, I wasn't on before. Now I am. Kind of. I wasn't gonna do this tonight, but um, this is a smaller, more intimate setting than I thought uh, we'd be in, and so. Because um, I've never been here before, so I, I I haven't been in a chapel. And uh, it's really kind of easy to walk down it. So would it be cool if I actually use this microphone up here just for, just to, I would love to take some questions from people just so we can get to know each other a little bit. Is that cool? Awesome. Um, I want, I, I like to get to know you guys, and I know I can't do all of that um, pretty, you know, easily in this short amount of time but if I could get, have you guys get to know me a little bit and then I could run into you and it won't be so awkward when I stand by myself in the corner over lunch tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so if, um, if anybody has a question about me everything's on the table if it's an awkward question you're going to get an awkward answer so um, I'm okay with it you just got to know what you're in for but does anybody have any question about anything about me and, and who I am and just so we feel like we get to know each other a little bit I'm going to walk down the aisle here you can keep the lights off it's not too creepy. And um, does anybody have a question? You got one? Yes, go for it. Anything you got? Crazy story. Crazy story. Oh man, you know what? I'm gonna tell one. I'm, that's gonna be the first thing I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell a crazy story. So that's a great. I'm gonna answer that question in a second. Good one. Yes. Oh, almost dropped it. Oh, it's okay. Like... Are you a dog or a cat person? Oh. <laughs> um, what do? What do? You, what does the audience want me to be? Dog. <laughs> Okay, I'm hearing dog, so I'm a dog person. <laughs> I'm. With, <laughs> I'll I'll be a cat person if I if you have lunch with me tomorrow and you're a cat person. So, that's cool. Now, good question. What else? Anything? And let's get in the back here because there's some people. You guys always get ignored. You're just here for the chapel makeup. So here we we'll get money for that. Just kidding. No, I'm joking. You guys aren't. Anybody have a question back here? Yes. If you could have any superhero like talent, what would it be? Superhero talent. Uh you know, I get asked this question a lot. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if people think I'm a superhero. Um, boy, I should have a ready-to-go answer. I would say um, the ability to, um, oh, man, something unusual. I would want to do something like unexpected and unusual. So the ability to like instantly make everybody break out into hysterical laughter at the snap of a finger, that would be awesome. That would be, I don't know, I just think that would be cool. I don't know if it would help anybody, though. So, Mr. Ezra, you got one. So, if there was one thing that you took away from your college experience and you could tell all of these students, what would it be? That is a great question. Um, Do you want, like, a deep, genuine answer? (laughs) Because Ezra is a deep, genuine guy. If you don't know him, you need to get to know him. So, I think, um, let's see. Honestly, a a really good answer is that... um, Let's see. Uh, for me, it was that a mile wide and a skin deep is exhausting. You know, in your relationships, as you guys are here in college and you're making friendships, that if you just, if you just get to know a lot of people, but you don't, don't kind of find those, those wingmen or that really inner circle group of friends, um, you're, you're, it's going to wear you out. And it's really important to try to lean into really genuine, intimate uh, community and friendship. Uh, so that would be the big one for me. Yeah. So, no. yeah, good. good question. Anybody else? Open the front. Yeah, let's get the front. You guys are the worship team here. Let's, this one's about music, my favorite music selection, my favorite music. What's your favorite candy bar? Favorite candy bar? <laughs> Is this uh, important to you? No, I'm just kidding. No, is, is it going to make a difference as to whether or not? Oh, okay, all right, good. Uh, you know, I love um, Charleston shoes. No one loves Charleston shoes, right? Except for me. One person, yeah, two, two people. I really do. I love that chewy. Was it vanilla nougat? Have you ever had one? You've never, you've never had a Charleston shoe. Oh, I'm going to buy you a Charleston shoe. We're going to make that happen. Oh man, yeah, it is. It, you have a question? Okay, I can't ignore you because you're sitting in front. Okay. What's your favorite part of God's creation? Favorite part of God's creation. What a great question. Oh, man. If I had to pick one, favorite part of God's creation. I hear some people yelling out answers as to what it should be. <laughs> what is this? Okay, I, I can't hear any of you, so I'm going to be honest about it then. Um, I would say, for me, the, the honest, and maybe it's cliche, but the sunrises and sunsets, the color of those, yeah, is that, yes, we got some sunrise fans right there, thank you for clapping for that, yeah, no, great question, that's a fan. I'm going to steal that one and take credit for it, too, when I, <laughs> yes. How did you meet your wife? How did I meet my wife, great, all right, this is the last one, because I'm going over time, that is a, such a good question, though, great one to end on. Um, I met my wife at college and it's it is a funny story. Uh, I didn't know who she was at all. True story, I saw her and she came into class one day, and I didn't know who she was. I, I just saw her. And and I'm not like a I'm not like a super mystical person, but and I don't hear like audible voice or anything, and I've never I can kind of like one hand how many times this has happened to me in this kind of clarity. But she walked into the room, and I knew, in, like, I'm not making this up. This isn't, don't, don't think this has to be your story either. But this is my story. I, she walked in, and I instantly knew we were going to get married. Like, as soon as I looked at her. I know. It was seriously, it's as crazy as it sounds. And I looked at her, and I was like, I'm going to marry that girl. And, and so I went back to my dorm room, and I got, run into my dorm room, and my roommate was like, how was class? And I was like, it was good. I met the woman I'm going to marry today. And I meant it. And he goes, and like, I, I said, yeah, I'm done looking. Like, I don't have to look anymore. It's over. I don't have to. And and she, and he goes, that's cool. What's her name? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know her name. I don't, but I know that I'm going to marry her. It was so weird. And so the thing is, is like, I didn't, I was, I knew that we were going to get married. So I didn't, I didn't like rush into it because I just knew it was going to happen. There was no question mark around it. So it sounds ridiculous, right? So I didn't rush this at all. And I kind of put it off. And I was also super nervous. Like, I was super nervous to talk to her. So... Uh, I didn't, I had all this love in my heart for this girl, and I couldn't get it out because I couldn't talk to her about it, so I would write her letters, and I wouldn't give them to her, obviously, (laughs) because, but I would write, because I had to get it out. This is true. I had to get this out, so I would, like, type out, like, all this, like, really gooey stuff, and, but I didn't know her name for, like, months, so I would title it Dear Grace, because she just struck me as someone who had this aura of grace, just like she just, if you ever meet her, you, you'll meet her like, it, grace is like the best word to describe her, because she's so gracious, and uh, and I would title it Dear Grace, and I would type these out. Well, uh, I ended up finding out what her name was, and her name is, is Hannah, and for those of you that take Hebrew, do you know what Hannah means in Hebrew? It's grace. Yeah, it's the craziest thing, but it was it was the only word I could use to think of to describe her, and I would Write these notes, and I gave them to her one day, and it was really, you know, romantic and great at Olive Garden. Um, but uh, yeah, I didn't know who she was either. And turns out, one day that when I found out who she was, and just I didn't really know her name, but I found out who she was. I was in my advisor's office at the time. He's the chair of the religion department, and I left his office. And as I'm leaving, she walks in, and I go, "Oh, we have something in common. This is great. Maybe we can start a conversation, and we can be." Maybe this is how we initiate, you know, our beginning of our marriage, and um, and so so I I walk out and she walks in and she goes, hey dad. So I I gave up on it for like two seconds, and then uh, and then I said, forget it. I'm just gonna it's gonna happen. So it did freak me out, and so my. Father-in-law is a New Testament scholar. So I actually, after that happened, this is true also. I'm going a little long here, but I have to share this. I went back to my dorm room again. My roommate's there. And I just run in, I whip open my Bible and start reading it, which I would like to say was a normal thing, but it wasn't at the time. So I I ripped it open and I start reading it. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm memorizing the New Testament. (laughs) I have to memorize. Seriously, it happened. And I made it 10 minutes. It was... Not that long. I, really, it was five minutes, but um, that did happen. So uh, anyway, so it's not a crazy story uh, before I get into what we're going to talk about. Um, this leads into it, so I'm beginning now. Uh, <laughs> so when I was in college, at the, this was before I met Hannah and everything. I did an internship at a, at a church, and this particular internship allowed me to go to a governing board meeting, which is a, it's a big deal. It was it really like actually a lot of leaders in this big church in our area. or one of the larger churches in the community. Um, and I got to go to an elder board meeting, and I got to sit in it, but I could only be there for the first five minutes because it was—I don't know why I keep looking at you. You didn't answer the question. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like—I keep—I'm used to looking at you answering your question. Um, but anyway— so I'm at this elder board meeting, and I had to leave after five minutes. And so they let me stay for the agenda. Like, they reviewed the agenda. They reviewed kind of the uh, what they were going to talk about. And then they began, the formal be- beginning of the meeting began with a prayer. And it was after the prayer that I was supposed to have to leave. And the the guy that was praying, um, well, first I need to back up. I, you need to understand this. The night before, I was up super late um, studying, reading the Bible, praying, Fasting and playing video games. I was mostly playing a lot of video games, and he had a smooth, silky, like a James Taylor voice. It was like butter, and it was like it was so, and it was so unfair. And so I was told the prayer lasted about uh, about a minute or two, Uh, and I was I remember about thirty seconds or so of it, because I was apparently asleep for twenty minutes or so. But here's why this is so bad. This is why this is really bad. Because I, I just fell asleep during the prayer. That's, that's awful to do. But, but the reason it was so bad is because I fell asleep in the praying position. <laughs> so everybody was so generous to give me the benefit of the doubt. And so for 20 minutes, here I am. And they ended, they looked at me, and I'm just... And they're like... Well, he's working stuff out. (laughs) This is good. This is good. We we ought to let him finish. So uh, it gets worse because the problem is when I'm asleep, I twitch. And I mumble things. uh, Incoherent things. Angrily, mostly. And so uh, this is, I'm this, I'm like this, and I'm like, pickle shoes. The horse in the microwave. And I—I I, I was told those are the two things. That, that's all. But I was incoherent, mumbling this stuff, twitching, you know, like this. And so they're like, "We ought to—we to let this finish." He's doing some spiritual warfare right now. I don't know what pickle shoe is, but we better—he's going after it. Go, man. So they kind of just let it go, and they were—they—I don't know—I don't know what they did. But uh, they—I what happened was, uh, I think they had a little bit of conversation. And I began to, the lights begin to wink on. I began to awake, but c- come awake. But you know when you're coming awake in the morning, maybe, or, or at some point after a nap, and you don't open your eyes yet, but you, your brain's aware of what's going on, and you're starting to be aware of your surroundings. And so all this is happening, and I, the lights, all right, my, my mind is starting to under, wake up, but I'm not all there, so I'm like, why are all these people in my dorm room right now? Why is my professor in my dorm room while I am trying to sleep? Oh my gosh. I am in so much trouble, and I began to panic, and I'm thinking like, do I just run out of the room screaming? Do I pretend to throw up? I mean, like, I'm like, I'm trying to be, i like, do I just stay like this? How long can I stay like this? And so finally, I come up with an idea, and this is the plan, I, I came up with, it was a terrible idea, but I went with it, and it was all I had. So I waited till there was a lull in this conversation they were having, and it kind of got quiet. And they looked up like this, and we all kind of stared at each other for a moment like this. <laughs> And then I said, amen, <laughs> amen. Mm. <sighs> and my professor put his hand on my, on my shoulder and he goes, Brian, are you okay? <laughs> and I said, you know what, I am now, <laughs> but I have to go. I don't know where, but I need to leave. And we actually never talked about it again after that. It was really awkward. We never really unpacked what happened. And I, but I was never invited back either. And, and so maybe maybe this is not your story when you pray. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm so embarrassed that it happened. It's so embarrassing. But, uh, but maybe for a second, if we'd be willing to do it, just for tonight, you can put it back on afterwards. But just take the Have It All Together Christian mask off. You can put it on later. But take it off for a second. We would all agree that sometimes our prayers, honestly... We sometimes feel like there's there's no one on the other end, and so maybe you don't fall asleep during them. But but you just you feel like is there anyone listening? You know you're just talking out into space, and especially this gets really hard when our prayers when we're praying and we're not hearing anything back. We're not feeling like God is or or sensing that God is directing any communication back to us, and so it it not only maybe gets dry, but but this is what also happens is you begin to feel some anxiety, especially around. Big decisions. You guys have some huge decisions that you're you're weighing right now. Maybe it, maybe it is a, a relationship. Maybe it's uh, some classes that you're thinking about taking. Maybe it's a kind of a direction a major. Maybe it's your you know it, it's expensive to go to college. So deciding classes and majors. Those are big decisions, and deciding what you're going to do after graduation—those uh, are some big ones. And here's why this is hard, especially uh, for those of us that, as believers, we believe that God does know the future, and He's got a, He's got kind of a, an idea of, of, of well, He knows what the future is, and He desires a path for us that is best. He desires our best. He does care about our decisions that we make, and and we know this, and we feel this, and so what happens is, is as we pray and as we ask God for direction and if we're sensing, not, we're not sensing anything back or it's fuzzy or it's unclear, this can be big for us because we, we sometimes feel like we're on this imaginary highway. And if and, and, and we're like, God's up there like a cosmic GPS telling us turn left, turn left, turn left. And if we can't hear it or whatever, because the noise in our life, we're going to miss some exit that we, that we were supposed to get on. And we're not going to realize it until we're 10 years down the road. And, and then we're going to freak out. And we're going to, when God's up there going, I tried to yell and I couldn't. I mean, sometimes this kind of anxiety happens when we're, when we're on the precipice of some big decisions, trying to listen to God's voice. And it could be even exacerbated by some of the realities of just our social life where we, we troll through our news feeds, and we, we see these, the highlight reels of everybody's life, making decisions, doing things, and we start to wonder if we've, if we've missed that exit. You know, we see, we see the photos, we see the posts, and we're like, man, um, am I going to miss out on what possibly the decisions I should have made and the direction and the path I should have gone down? And, and it can really rob your soul of some real joy. It can rob you from enjoying the ride of life and genuinely the, the peace and the rest that comes with being living as someone who, who believes you have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And you begin to fear this missing out and it can be not only in, rob you of, of joy but can immobilize you from making any kind of decisions, right? You just get stuck. And so here's what I wanna do tonight is I wanna... Unpack all the things surrounding God's voice and speaking, and and try to give you just some handlebars that, from Scripture that 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 really um, deal with this question. But but here's the problem with when we're going to deal with this passage in one Samuel sixteen. This is this is the difficulty, and this is this is the problem with most passages like this, is that uh, you often will read Scripture, and when you when God's voice shows up in Scripture, when it appears in the text, it's surrounded by these quotation marks, right? This punctuation of quotation marks. And I don't know about you, but this is some of the times sometimes the way I interpret that and read that. I go, man, have I have I ever heard God so clearly that I could put him in quotation marks? I mean, has God ever spoken to me in such a profound, clear way where I can put his voice in quotation marks? Maybe, I mean, we hear stories of people that do, or maybe some of us have maybe at one time, but then we go through long stretches of our life where we can't, we can't really do that. We couldn't really put God's words in quotes or even the dramatic stuff we read about you know, the Moses and the burning bush. And we're like, should I go in my backyard and light stuff on fire and listen to it? I mean, how, all the really dramatic times God speaks, don't, don't do that if you're thinking about doing that. But, but we hear these stories, we read these, these passages in the narrative here, and, and we see these quotes and we go, man, I don't know that God's ever spoke to me that kind of, with that kind of clarity. Do I know how to hear God's voice? Because apparently he speaks like this, and I'm stuck and I can't hear anything that crystal clear. So here's what we're going we're to do, or here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to wrestle tonight with the medium or the mode by which God spoke. We're not going to ask, was it an audible voice? Was it a, was it a light from nowhere and music and then an echoey voice? You know, was it that or was it a burning bush? Or what? We're not going to deal with the medium or the, or the mode and the vehicle by which God's words came to this person. We believe that he did speak. That's truth. But we're not going to wrestle with how he spoke. We're not going to do that tonight. Because let's be honest, I think you could argue that that might be different for everybody in here as it was for even the people in this narrative, the narratives of Scripture. But what we are going to wrestle with tonight, this is what we're going to do. We're going to wrestle with this question. What are the conditions surrounding those times that God was speaking? What are the conditions surrounding those moments? I think it's up on the PowerPoint here. Um, is it up there? Yes. What are, the, what are the conditions for hearing God's voice in my life? What are the surrounding conditions for those times that God spoke and me personally for even hearing that voice? And we're going to wrestle with this in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and the uh the, the little bit of context here is this is where saul has blown it the wheels are coming off the train and and the kingdom is 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 going downhill and so it's a very volatile time uh very uh you know this is the this is the middle east in, in biblical times this is a very you need as a nation state you need strong leadership however that manifests itself for this it was israel's first king and it was it was um, on the tail end of that and so Samuel is getting the word from God that it's time to pick a new king. You talk about fear of missing out. You talk about fear of getting this one wrong. I, I know you all have big decisions, but I don't know if you're in the charge right now of picking the next leader of a nation state. Maybe if you're going to vote in the end. I don't, actually, I just realized I said We were in an election year. So, but your vote doesn't matter. Um, I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. That's, but this is Samuel's job. Big, big, big decision. So let's lean in here and let's see what God does in the midst of communicating to Samuel about this. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to skip around a little bit and summarize some, some of this so we can get through it all. In verse 1 of 1 Samuel 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, so God's speaking. We know that. doesn't exactly say how, but we know that God spoke. He said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So go fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Okay, so you can imagine this, right? This is, this is the scene. Let's pretend, because we're not really dealing with the mode of communication, so let's, let's just make one up for now, um, that, that maybe God spoke through a light coming out, coming out of nowhere, a big echoey voice, maybe some light singing in the background like that, ah, that kind of thing. So let's, let's pretend that's the way this happened. So let's say that happens, a light comes on, Samuel's there, or yeah, Samuel's there, and he, God, he knows God's about to speak, so he gets out his iPad. He's ready to listen. I'm going to take notes. And it's like, okay, God, I'm ready. Samuel, yes. Pick, you got to pick a new king. We we're going to pick a new king. Wow, that's big. Okay. Who is it? Here's his address. That's it. Like, here's his address. I mean, God goes on give us some more details, but... That doesn't say who. Then light like, goes away. He's like, this is a big deal, right? <laughs> right? We have to pick the next king of Israel, and you're just giving me like, the address of where he lives, the city and the location? That's it? You know who it is? You don't want to just tell me? Does God do this? Is it possible? Is it possible that somewhere in your theology of God speaking, that maybe he's just going to give you the first step? That maybe whatever it is, whatever big decision you're wrestling with right now, is it possible that God is just going to give you the first baby step? And that, that's about it. And maybe it's just go to Jesse's house. Here's the address. But, but he's not going to give you the final decision. He's not going to give you the end decision, but he'll give you a piece of it. So that's what he does here with Samuel. So let's keep going. Let's see what happens next. So I'm going to kind of skip, skip through this here down to the bottom. So when they arrived, this is verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took look, one look at Eliab. So he gets to the house. He knocks on the door. He opens the door and took one look at Eliab. One of the sons, and thought surely, this is the Lord's anointed one. Now, if you're wondering, gosh, uh, you know, deciding God's direction and leadership in my life—that's a difficult thing. Uh, you're not alone. This is Samuel, who has heard from God before, and he's convinced that God is right, is is anointing this particular person as next king. And he's dead wrong. It's like surely er, it's wrong, and and this is this is what he says. He says surely this one does this happen in our lives sometimes when we're in a big decision mode? We have this kind of theology that Lord, if you open a door, I'll walk through it. You know, Lord, open and close doors, and then I'll walk through the one you open. Is it possible? Can we leave room in our theology of hearing God's voice and direction in our life? That God God may allow some doors to swing wide open and you're facing right at something that you think is, is totally, this is surely God's anointed path. But it, it's not. Could you leave room for that in your, in your decision-making? That there, there may be times that appear, that absolutely appear to be the totally anointed, this is Eliab, I, why would God allow Eliab to be standing in the doorway when I opened it? I mean, surely this is it, because why else would God open this door and Eliab's standing there? Could we leave room in our theology as we think about God's voice for the reality that maybe an open door is not the right door, that maybe the first option or the best looking option is surely not the Lord's anointed way. So let's, 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 I'll leave that right there, but let's, let's keep going. So here's what happens next. Um, Verse seven here. Uh, But the Lord said, so God, God speaks again here. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, this this is, is crazy to me. I mean, imagine you're, you're Samuel, okay? Door swings open. There's Eliab. Pfft, surely this is the guy. Light comes out of nowhere. Voice, echoey voice. Let's do, we'll do the singing thing. We'll say that's in the mix too so that's going on and all of a sudden you hear God's voice and you're thinking okay God I'll get my iPad out just in case there's some notes here but okay Lord I'm ready I found him I I, this is a up here surely you're just about to anoint this decision here I mean surely this is your guy this is the Lord's guy go ahead now speak go ahead what is it and this is what God says from what we just summarized he says nope what nope it was just no it was just no, but God does something else, though. This is what else God does, though. God gives him a lesson in the no. So God doesn't just say no. He says no, but he gives him a lesson in the no. Could we leave room, maybe, in our, in our theology of hearing God's voice? that There may be no's that come your way as you try to navigate the decision, but, but could it be that we need to look for the lesson in, in the no? And this is, this is so powerful because notice God doesn't say, no, it's the guy three rows back or the guy, or the guy th- behind Eliab or out in the field. He just says, no, and then he goes away. It, said, it was just no. It wasn't no and here's the right answer. It was just no, but a lesson. And, and, and maybe this is, this is what we need to consider as one of the conditions for God speaking is that God speaks loudly through his values you see God God basically says to Samuel, look you look at who a king what a king can do I'm looking at who a king is and who he can be. You see this is this is what he's doing with Samuel. He's shifting he's not he didn't just say no. He said no and then he peels back the curtain for Samuel. He peels back the curtain and shows him how he makes decision. He didn't tell him the decision, but he peels back the curtain and lets Samuel peek into how God Makes decisions, and the, and the condition here that we see that God's showing us how God makes decisions. His, his values drive that. So, let me let me put it this way: I, when I was a kid growing up, I wanted so bad. I, I loved dinosaurs so much. I, when I was a young kid, I not like recently. So I, I do love dinosaurs, but, but, um, I loved them so much. I wanted to be a dinosaur when I grew up. And this is a real thing. If you would have asked me, Hey, hey, buddy, what do you want to do when you grow up? I would say, I want to be a dinosaur. That's what I was. I would have. And in my mind, this is how, this is how ridiculous this is. In my mind, I would have my own patch of jungle and I would, I would run around in it and scratch things and bite things. And, and only people, if they were mean, I wasn't a cereal biter. I would just bite them if they were mean. I was a Velociraptor is what I wanted to be. And isn't this weird? No one's laughing right now because they're like, that's terrible. <laughs> that's super creepy. And this was true. But, but I love dinosaurs so much that I felt like maybe that would be in my future as being a dinosaur. And it didn't seem to bother my parents that their kid wanted to grow up and eat people for a living. That was a weird <laughs> moment. Eat too as well. And uh thankfully none of those came true but but my parents, every time for my birthday they would they would get at least something that had to do with dinosaurs. How did my parents navigate the decision of what to get me for my birthday? How did they navigate what what my will for, for them in buying my birthday gifts would be? Well, you see, my parents spent time with me my, my parents did they spent time with me and they and they learned what my values were question do you know what god's values are in the particular decisions that that you're making do you do you know what those are and and maybe let me ask this are you spending time with him trying to lean into what are god's values in this area or in these decisions are you are you truly are you honestly be honest with yourself don't lie to yourself are you honestly spending time with God and leaning into what he values? And then are you leaning into the counsel of people who value the things that God values? This means their hearts break for the things that break God's heart. They're, they get angry about the things that God gets angry about. They, they, they get excited about the things that God gets excited about. Are you leaning into the counsel of people who value what God values? God speaks loudly through his values. Let's, let's keep reading here. So um, then, here we go. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Samuel summoned Shemiah, But Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. One, no, Two, uh, no, three, nope, four, uh, five, nope, six, no, seven, no. Nope. And then Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel asked, is this all you got? This for me, I, this this is so radical for me. This is so crazy that this is in here. This is insane. Have you read this thing? This is crazy. What's in here? So so think about this. God knows who this guy is. God God knows who this guy's, and He drags Samuel or allows Samuel to go through this long process of mm, no, uh, next one no. Nope. Maybe, no, next, no, that's not it. No, he, I mean, he, long, he drags them through this process one after another. And remember, God knows how to speak to Samuel. He's God. He's done it before. And he knows who the guy is. He knows it's David. But he's allowing Samuel to go through this process of just looking at one after another, after another of these brothers. This is crazy to me. Here's a question. Let me ask you this question, okay? Let me, let me ask you this. Think about the big decision right now that maybe is on your horizon or around your life right now, okay? Question, it, have you ever, is it maybe possible that um, if you haven't had this happen before, maybe this is a circumstance with your decision, have you ever been 50-50 on a decision where, where 50% of you is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure, and the other half is like, I don't know. I really don't know. Or 60-40, 70-30, 70% sure, 30% comp- ah, maybe not, but I'm pretty sure, but not 100% sure. Here's a question for you. Do you believe that God is aware of that part of you that's unsure? Do you, do you believe he's aware of that? Okay. Do you believe that he can change that if he wanted to? That, that he could actually make you 100% sure? Do you believe God is capable of making anybody 100% sure of something? If he's God, do you believe he's, that's possible? So if it's possible for him to change it, do you believe it's possible that God it could actually be allowing and be allowed in his sovereignty allowing you to have a part of you that's just I don't know. I'm not sure. And then let me ask this. If it's possible that he's allowing it. Is it possible that he has purpose for that part of you that's just I don't know. If he's allowing it, do you believe he has purpose for it? Do you believe he can use it? Okay. And let's keep going here. Let's keep reading. I'm, we're going to set that aside for a second. Let's, next, uh, next passage here. Uh, there is still the youngest, Jesse replied. Uh, this is verse 11, continuing verse 11. Uh, There's still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and, and eat until he arrives. I guess he's in a room full of dudes, so he knows that's all they're thinking about all the time. So um, he's not going to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, "This is the one. Anoint him." I uh, was at a mall at uh, the day after Thanksgiving when I was back in. Um, in Wisconsin, we have, a, we have a big mall in our at town, Appleton. I was at the mall day after Thanksgiving sale with my wife, and I was doing what all the other husbands were doing and uh, all the other guys were doing while their wives were shopping. We were wandering aimlessly from couch to couch in the between stores looking helpless. And so this is what we were doing. It was super early, and everybody's angry at life and unthankful um, by now. <laughs> and so, uh, so we're wandering. And I wander by a kiosk that has self. It's a cell phone kiosk, like a Sprint kiosk or something. And there is a, a man, a titan of a man there at the kiosk, who is livid with this poor, scrawny clerk. And this guy is, is a Goliath, a behemoth of a man. He looked like he had just lumberjack plaid, huge beard, and, and just you know enormous arms, just huge. He looked like he just walked in, chopping down half the rainforest, and he was just taking a break. And he comes in, and he's this huge guy, right? And he's ticked off. At this, at this clerk. And here's why I ticked off. It's because his thumbs are so huge, he can't push any button on his phones without pressing all the buttons. It was like, it'd be like me pressing my phone with a fist. His thumbs were enormous, and he was ticked. There was no phone out there that he could press a button with that it would actually work and, and call anybody. It was like, I don't know if it was because he was picking up trees whole and throwing them out by the root. I don't know why his thumbs were so big. But he was this huge guy. And, and I remember the weirdest thing happened. Like I had this weird moment. And it, uh, this is going to be weird. And it's, this is weird. But, but I had this realization that, like, this is sometimes how I think of God. In, in the sense that um, sometimes I wonder, like, uh, why doesn't God use a cell phone? Like, I began to realize, like, God, God can use a cell phone. And that's, that's like a funny, weird thing to think about. But I was like, God knows how to use a cell phone. It's not like his thumbs are too big from creating galaxies that he can't press the buttons. It's not it. And, and it's not like he's some old sage that you have to, like, explain to him how, like, the Internet works. And be like, this is Facebook. You can create a group, put all the Christians in it. And then mass message all the Christians. to be really clear. We'd understand exactly what he wants to do. Like, God knows. You realize this is crazy, right? It's kind of funny. It's ridiculous. But you realize God knows how to use the Internet, right? You realize that? I, it's, I know. It's kind of ridiculous. God knows how to use a cell phone. He knows. And God can use a cell phone. God could text you. I mean, do you realize that that's actually true? I believe that. God can do anything. God could do that. But he chooses not to. Do you ever think about that? Like, he chooses not to. We've come a long way in communication but God is choosing to not use those modes of communication, or particularly literally buying a cell phone and texting all believers all over the world. He, he's not doing that. Why? Could it be, could it be, could we leave room for this in our theology of God speaking? Could it be that there is something more important to God than simply the transfer of data from his head to your head? Could it be that there is something more important? In the process of decision making than the actual decision itself, that there's something more important than simply the transmission of data from him to you. Could it be that there is something more important to God than that? You know, I, I wonder, does God could this be the, the reality? Here? God cares more about who we are and who we are becoming in the process than the things that we do or decide. Is it possible that Samuel is not just some employee of God, that God needs to do his bidding, that God is up there and he just needs Samuel. Samuel is just an employee of God. He's got to go and he's going to have to be the one to make the decision and anoint the king. Could it be that God, the decision itself is not as important to God as the means by which it takes us to figure out and lean into God and understand what the decision is that we have to make? That, could it be this, that we're not just employees of God? That whatever big decision you have right now in your life, as big as it is, that we are not simply God's employees that we just have to make that decision or go down that path, but that we are his children whom he loves and desires to have a relationship with, and that decisions are the means by which he grows that relationship. Could it be that God shapes us in the silence, that that the the other condition here is that silence is a means by which that god shapes us that it's it's not like it's not like that is so invaluable that, I mean, think about it. If I were God, this would be me. If I were God, okay, if I were God, I would, there's a lot of things I would do different, but that's because I'm not God. I'm so glad I'm not God. But, but I would be like, this is a big decision. This is the head of a nation state. Samuel needs to get this right. I'm going to put signs up everywhere. I'm going to be like, Samuel, this is the guy. Here's a photo. I'm going to do the Star Wars hologram thing. Like, you know, here he is. This is what he looks like. He's in Bethlehem. This is exactly the rest. He's out in the field. He's not Jesse's house. Don't go to Jesse's house. Aliyah's there. Don't go to Jesse's house. Like, You're going to pick the wrong guy. I would be so worried about Samuel getting the decision wrong. That would be all it would be about because I'm all about the decision. For me, it's all about the decision. For God, He loves Samuel so much. God loves Samuel so much. He desires an intimate relationship with Samuel that God is willing to take Samuel on this journey that compels Samuel to learn more about how God is, how He makes decisions. And that God loves Samuel loves so much is that he's going to use this huge decision to pick the head of a nation state as a means to draw Samuel closer to his God. Does that, does that not tell you how much God loves us? How much he loves you? Like, listen, listen, I, I know. I, I know some of you had some huge decisions ahead of you. I know that. And I know you want, to, you want to pick the thing that God wants you to do and you want to head down that way. But, but listen, I, I, know that, I know those decisions are big, but I, I'm probably sure that none of them are as big as being the one person selecting the head of a nation state, right? And yet, God used even that big of a decision as a means to draw a, someone, one of his children, into a more intimate, closer, loving relationship. Could it be that your decisions in life, that all of those decisions are not the end? They're not the end. The end is your relationship with God, and those decisions can be the means by which God draws you to himself. Because he loves you. When when you begin to think of decisions as uh, not the end, but the means, um, you pray differently. You pray for different stuff. God gets pretty loud in the silence, and and you begin to realize that you have no fear of missing out on anything. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these students who have carved out... um, time, Lord, to be here and to lean into this. And I I thank you for every student on this campus who couldn't be here, Lord. I just, I thank you so much for how you are, um, your love for us is just unfathomable, God. It just doesn't make any sense to any of us here, how much you love us. And so, Lord, I just pray that everybody in this room would be just so full full of peace and joy to be able to leave out of here and enjoy the ride of life and all the big decisions. Just enjoy the ride and know, enjoy you, God, really, in their relationship with you as you press them deeper into into you. That, Lord, that that 50% of them that's unsure, that that, Lord, maybe is the most important part of the entire part of them. That it's in those moments, Lord, that you whisper, do you trust me? And I pray everybody in here would whisper back yes. I just pray, Lord, that it's in that, that sweet 40% or 50% of us that's just not sure. I pray you would use it to draw us closer into a relationship with you and that we would sense your presence in that piece, the part of us that's not sure, and that you're in it, you're in the uncertainty. God, I thank you so much uh, for how you're speaking. I pray we would be ears wide, ears open and eyes wide open as we go into all the things you wanna say to us this week and we would enjoy the ride because we can trust and know that the end, decision's not the end, that your relationship with us and your love for us will win. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you very much. See you as well.